0: Hey folks, back at you with another exciting episode today. Two real estate entrepreneurs who are rocking and rolling it from the GTA in and around Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got two business partners. We've got Babar Mogul and Faizan Yosef from Canadian Homeowner Solutions. And these guys, I was just checking it out before we jumped on the call. They've got a, a really good I buy houses type website, and they do that, plus they do some other stuff, not just in and around the GTA, but they've got multiple markets that they're investing in. So, Babar and Faisan, welcome. Nice to see you guys. Glad okay. to be here. All right. So, let's let's just take a quick look, a little stroll down memory lane. What was it that got you guys into real estate investing in the in the first place? Have you been partners from day one? Did you just kind of both start on your own and somehow meet you know tell us just briefly what's what's the backstory we get this question a lot and and i'm
1: glad we're opening this conversation with that um you know essentially faizan and i we had our independent real estate journeys um and we came together to join forces when we saw an opportunity to collaborate especially in the markets that we were already operating in um this was in and around the 2021 time frame when the market was super competitive we were losing out to multiple bids and really it came down to that competitive edge of finding off-market leads. Mm. Um, so that is the essence of why, uh, both Fazan and I, we came together to, uh, create Canadian homeowner solutions. So if you go to our website, it's exactly as, uh, Dave, you mentioned, you know, we, uh, market for off-market opportunities and, um, primarily for our own portfolio, but those that don't quite fit the box, you know, we'll offload it or wholesale it or onwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. So, so Faisan, when did you get started in real estate investing and what was your primary focuses? Was it on doing flips, creative deals, what kind of stuff?
2: Yeah. So uh, my first deal was actually a pre-construction deal. Yep. And um, you know, What, what deals- year was that? When did you get started? 2020. Okay, So I closed on my first house May 2020. It was right when the market, you know, first went down when COVID started. So I was like worst decision of my life, but uh, clearly not afterwards. But um, yeah, so I always uh, kind of had uh, this idea that I wanted to get into real estate investing a little bit. I've been in sales and uh, marketing my whole life. So always had almost a little bit of a knack for business to begin with. So, you know, essentially um, the goal was always to do something entrepreneurial. And when I started to look more into real estate and I bought the first house, um, I was kind of the way the market went and everything. I was like, okay, real estate investing is one of the only businesses or one of the best businesses that you can do where I will grow my wealth. I will generate an income and um, I can really make something long-term out of this. So that kind of got me started more towards the business. And eventually led to me uh, hiring a mentor in uh, 2021. So essentially, I started doing flips to begin with, and um, it was, you know, to begin with, it was a lot of my own capital. Yep. And slowly, I started to raise a little bit of money by talking to other people, going to networking events, um, and part of my mentorship group, I uh, had other investors around, so raised a little bit of capital there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's essentially how I got started.
0: And Babar, how about you? When when did you get started? Uh,
1: For me, uh, I started my journey in 2013 um, more passively. Um, I wasn't quite educated in real estate. I didn't understand the benefits and the leverage that was available to me. It was more just follow the crowd. Um, It was until later in 2019, where I started getting some coaching, mentorship, and and really put, putting my real estate career in fifth gear, and made my first uh, acquisition. Um, and since then, uh, you know, we've done everything from flips to conversions to uh, wholesales. And, uh, you know, we we along the way, we raised capital. So uh, in a nutshell, my background is in uh, sales and uh, marketing as well. Um, so uh, I still have my nine to five job, and on a day to day basis, I uh, develop relationships with customers. I um, uncover pain points, I negotiate, and I and I solve problems. So, very synergistic and complementary to the skill sets that I bring to real estate.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you guys, let's speaking of sales and marketing, one of my favorite things to talk with people about is how how are you find marketing yourselves to find these off market deals. What do you find that's working really well in twenty twenty three?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think what was working before twenty twenty three is the traditional off and online type marketing, which really boils down to consistency and you know having like a long term plan uh, and not just doing it like as a one time play. Um, What works well for us in 2023 is really building those relationships, boots on the ground, where uh, we come top of mind. Um, Just yesterday, we fielded a call from one of our investors that found an off-market opportunity in a city that we operate in. They don't necessarily know much about the city, but as soon as they heard the name of the city, uh, the first people that came to mind were us. And so we got the phone call. And, And that's, I think... A great way for us to attract off-market leads is by developing strong relationships. With who? Investors, um, anybody who is in close proximity to deals. So
0: in other words, other active real estate investors in those local areas? Absolutely. It
2: could be investors, realtors, wholesalers, anybody who is essentially doing any type of transactions in real estate.
0: Okay, so what would you say Bill makes up the bulk of your business these days, you guys? Is it wholesaling, is it flips, Burrs because you're in multiple markets, but you guys are both in the the GTA. So what what's the bread and butter of your business?
2: Yeah, so I would say the bread and butter of our business at the moment is primarily burrs and and uh, larger conversions. So we've been doing more, you know, single family to triplex, single family to fourplex type of conversions. And and anything we look at now, it's typically small multifamily at a minimum. Um, We have started to go back into into flips. We kind of stopped when the market started to uh, drop a little bit last year. But Mm -hmm. we have started to get back into that strategy as well. So that's kind of our active business. That's business as usual for us right now. And we've started focusing a little bit more on uh, the multifamily and land development side as well. So we have some projects where you know other projects that we have completed. Now we're looking to take those projects a step further and see how we could you know build additional additional units there or rezone them and then uh, you know figure something out in the future. Yeah, as increase
0: well. the density type thing, right? That's the exactly idea. yes. Smart. That makes a lot of sense. So what? Uh, how many different markets are you guys investing actively in these days?
2: So primarily the Niagara region is still our bread and butter. It has been since day 1 and it feeds us well and uh it is still our primary market. We have started doing more things in uh in KWC so Kitchener Waterloo Cambridge uh as well as uh the GTA. So because the again the market is picking up a little bit more, we're looking at more flips in the GTA yeah. because we just find there's um there there are more buyers out there that will Pick up properties in the GTA versus in the Niagara region. Again, you still have a little bit, the market is still a little bit slower on that side. So, our focus for flips is in the GTA. For our other projects for business as usual, it's still Niagara region. And then, more multifamily land development deals we're looking at in KWC.
0: All right. Very, very good. So, interesting. You guys both come from a sales and marketing background. How do you figure out who's going to do what? In your working relationship, because uh, you know, partnerships—a big part of success—is staying in your own lane, figuring out what the hell that lane is, uh, and not not stepping on the other guy's toes. So, what have you guys figured out over the last couple of years?
1: I think um, you know, it's 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 an evolution, right? Where our roles and um, responsibility—we fell into our places in a very organic fashion. Meaning that we did not come together with a predefined notion that you do this and I do this. We did have a good understanding of what we were good at. We did have a good understanding of what skill sets are complementary. However, when it really came down to executing and working together and really solving problems together, that's when um, it was apparent that, you know, I'm more of a high level, big picture. I'm a relationship um, guy where the bulk of my time is spent uh, developing relationships with people. So uh, the, most of my time is spent on raising capital, developing investor relationships, pulling people towards our business, marketing on where we're going. And uh, Fazan is pretty much our go-to person for operations, project management. Um, he's highly analytical. So that's where we we yin and yang really no, well. that's
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, it, it must've taken a little while to figure that out. But once you do, then it just makes life so much, uh, so much easier. That's for sure. So much more compatible, good stuff, you guys. So uh, speaking of capital, what, what's working well for you guys for finding investors, raising capital, what kind of capital are you bringing on? Are you bring on joint venture partners or are you bring on debt partners or using private, private lenders, hard money lenders, all of the above what what does capital look like for you guys oh uh,
1: yeah i'll kick it off um you know essentially dave it's it's a combination and and really it is a function of the deal um so i'll give you a couple examples uh the flip that we're doing in the gta um it works really well with with uh, just private capital right we don't have to necessarily have a joint venture partner there but when we did the math we said hey rather than we pay interest to a private loan. Why don't we, you know, allocate equity for the same amount and bring in a joint venture partner and develop that relationship so we can rinse and repeat on our next deal? Yeah. Um, so, so that was one where we brought on a JV partner. Uh, we have other deals where it's, um, you know, pretty much joint venture partner with a shareholder agreement. Um, we have raised private capital for um, activities like. Um, uh, putting in deposits and something where we know we can recycle our capital fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a nutshell, the bulk of it has been joint venture partnerships.
0: Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Like you say, you get that going, you get your joint venture partners. They're happy with it. Um, it's kind of a win-win thing. And then also the, I would guess the biggest benefit there is you're not coming out of pocket for those interest payments during your holding time. So it actually lowers your expenses and lowers your risk as well. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And really, I think it was a great opportunity for the investor to come in and not just participate, but also just have that one experience with us because we know that this is a long-term relationship.
0: Yeah. Especially when you figure out the lifetime worth of an investor, you guys. I don't know if if you've ever taken a look at that, but I've got a a calculator on my website, moneypartnerformula.com. You can check it out. Put in your numbers. I think you'll you'll be blown away with how much an investor is worth to your business over the lifetime of your working relationship. That that was a mind boggling number when I figured that out many 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 years ago. Cool. All right. So uh, I had something else I wanted to ask you guys. Yeah, it was about the whole thing of getting educated in the mastermind, and you know we don't want to turn this into a sales pitch for whatever particular flavor of mastermind or coaching that you guys are, are doing. I just kind of want to talk about, you know, the impact being part of a group of like-minded people has been for you guys. That's probably where you met in the first place. I'm going to guess, right?
2: Yeah. Good guess. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we we both believe very much in mentorship and, uh, and coaching. Um, just a simplification. Uh, the the way I always look at coaching is, you know, you have point A where you are and right now, point B where you need to go, and coaching is like the Google Maps that will get you to point B. So that's the simplest way I I've looked at it, right? And uh, even when I was first starting out, um, the coach propelled me from where I was to, you know, any que- answers I needed, any questions I had, to, you know, how what what my step one, two, three, four, five are. So that's where I think coaching is very powerful, where you get to, you know, you make one mistake when you're starting out and it could wipe out your journey and, you know, you take years to get back up to start all over. So that's where I think coaching is very powerful. Being in a group of like-minded individuals also helps out a lot because you're always surrounded by the same type of mindset. And, you know, for majority of us, when we're starting out, we always have the, the naysayers, right? Whether that's friends, family, whoever. So I think that's also where you feel a a little bit less insane or discouraged or whatever, when you're like, hey, I'm part of this group. And, you know, the things that I have to say, my friends might be like, hey, what are you doing? You're taking private money. You're doing this and that. But everybody else is doing it and they're they're making their returns and they're uh, confident and comfortable and they're progressing. So not only that, but you build good relationships um, in order to, to conduct business with other like-minded people as well, right? So you naturally form business partners within the the industry. So that's where we both find coaching and mentorship to be very, very powerful.
0: Yeah, well said. I, I, I like your analogy there that is like Google Maps, right? Your point A, you want to get to point B. Yes, you can go the hard way and try and figure it all out on your own, or just plunk into the easy button. That that makes a lot of sense. So, hey, uh, Bavar, maybe maybe if you guys don't mind, share share with me, because it hasn't all been sunshine and flowers since you started back in twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, whatever it was, and when you got serious in in twenty nineteen. What have been some of the biggest mistakes you've made? that have that have turned into really good le- learning lessons for you.
1: And that's a great question and and one that we encounter almost on a daily basis. Um but I would say that one major thing that really I think sticks out is um really around construction management. Um you know a lot of focus is um on the acquisition, you know, which pretty much comes out to be a fixed cost, you know, you you, you buy for what you uh you know, what you purchase, Mm. your mortgage is is fixed, you know, a lot of the parameters around the deal is fixed. But then the construction, that is where money could be made or lost. Mm. And we have realized that, um, you know, in real estate, you have to speak three languages, right? It's the language of real estate, uh, like deals and opportunities. It's the language of finance. And uh, then it's the language of construction. Mm. And not a lot of people talk about this, where developing your expertise around construction, building codes, um, developing your Rolodex. Contractors. Contractors, (laughs) material suppliers, and even just standing up to a contractor, right? Because contractors will will try and push you or test you. And you got to let them know that, no, you're talking to somebody that's really experienced. And I will challenge your uh, your position, because for us, it's about efficiency, cost effectiveness, and transparency, because our joint venture partners, um, some of them really bank on us to educate them on how we, you know, went through a whole legalization and the permitting process. Yeah. So uh, the, the challenges, um, you know, there's been no shortage of challenges with construction, and I think what we've done to overcome that is to really run towards the fire. Um, it, it, it's really, uh, it, it's human nature when there's um, a problem, you, know, you either um, freeze or you try and run away from it. But for us, we stick with the problem and we stick with it for as long as we can. And going back to networking, right? We have a large amount of investors that we can lean on and just get some advice that who else has been in this position, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to solve problems in isolation. We want to socialize that problem. We want to consult. We want to advise and really get that input. And that's where we not only become smarter, but then we also have a very good path forward. Um, anything to add there, Faisan?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask Faizan, what's what's been your experience, you know, pre-working with, with Babar and and as well as working together Uh Besides the, the construction side of things, what other challenges have you guys had to overcome?
2: I think uh, I, I think Bavar nailed the, the, the head with, uh, with the construction part of it. Besides that, I think uh, one of the biggest things is, especially for, um, I know bavar has been a passive investor, but for myself starting out in an upwards market, right? It's, it's just navigating the market and understanding that the market will make or break your deal. That's another big thing that majority of people do not look at when they're analyzing their deals. and well, Especially something-
0: when you're talking about flips, right? Because that's, that is yeah. that is 100% market dependent.
2: Right? It's not a long-term
0: strategy. Your, your goal is to get in and out as quickly as possible and sell the property for a, a higher price than what you paid for it and what you put into it. But that really depends on what's going on with the the market short term. So yeah, understanding your market, I can see that. So so how is that? And, and that's what you're saying earlier on. You guys have kind of put a little bit of a pause on on the flips, and you're starting to get back into that. Did you have one or two kind of on the go that that you had to sit on longer than you wanted to, or things like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So you know, one of the biggest things that this market Reinforce. It's not something that we didn't know, but obviously when the market's in an upward trajectory, you kind of slip and forget that you need to have exit plan BCD. Yeah, B, everybody's D, D, D.
0: genius in a, in a market <laughs> that's going up 20% a year.
2: <laughs> 100%. But uh, yeah, you know, even now that we're getting back into it, we're like, okay, the flip we're doing in the GTA is a massive uh, lot and everything. And there's, you know, it's downtown uh in the GTA, wherever market it's in, it's downtown. So uh, good rental potential, great burr opportunity. If we want to develop, there's multiple brand new bills right around on the same street. So we really do have, you know, exit plan A, B, C, D, E in that property, right? Absolutely. And whatever else we look at, we're looking at the same exact thing. Okay, if it doesn't sell for what we want, can we refinance and keep it? Can we go on to develop? And
0: then will it cash flow? Will, will it exactly. pay for itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But yeah, we definitely had, um, you know, we had a few flips that uh, that, that were that got caught in the fire, you could say. So um, one of the biggest learnings was, yes, selling a flip at a loss. Uh, we were very fortunate. It wasn't a massive loss. We were able to pay back uh, investors 100% and eat up the loss ourselves. And then uh, besides that, um, some properties that we had, we had fortunately bought them at very good prices. So even when we were done with everything, we even though we couldn't sell them the, for the price that we wanted, we ended up refinancing and keeping them and leaving, I think, 30, 40 percent in the deal. So it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. And they were, you know, cash flow positive and everything. So um we were fortunate in that way, but it was definitely a a learning lesson. For there, us.
0: there were some some sweaty moments there, I'm sure you guys. Yeah. I, I <laughs> absolutely I, I can relate. <laughs> I've been caught in not doing flips, but I was doing rent to own type deals, which is basically a Two or three year flip is, for lack of a better term, yeah. got caught with my pants down when the market went flat, then went negative. It's like, oh crap! Without a plan B, plan C, you know, just bad news. So I'm glad you guys, you know, I think these kind of market corrections really do sift out the amateurs from the professionals. And it sounds like you guys are have learned some very, very valuable lessons. So hats off to you. For, for And also for fa- everybody's favorite words, pivoting, like looking at different markets, looking at different strategies. All right, flips don't make sense, but densification makes sense here. Doing a burr, holding on. Plus I, I, I would imagine that you guys are learning over time that yeah, flips are good for pops of cash. That's fantastic. But long-term the real money is made with holding on to the, some of those properties and enjoying all of the profit centers of a real estate deal. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And, and I think that's where we have a two-pronged focus in our business is um, an active side of the business, which is the flips, as we discussed. Um, mm-hmm. The longer term is you know, multifamily. We're looking at Alberta. We're working on a few deals right now in Edmonton. Uh, we're looking at an opportunity in Kitchener. Um, so these are large multifamily where... You know, this is generational wealth that we're looking to uh, start.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Gentlemen, time flies when we're having fun. People who are listening to this want to find out more. How? What's the number one place they can connect with the two of you? I think the
1: best place um, is to go on our website, uh, www.canadianhomeownersolutions.ca. Uh, you could find us on social media as well. Just search up our name, Babar Mogul or Fazan Yusuf, and uh, you can't miss us.
0: Very good. Well, you guys, congratulations on keeping the faith, keeping on chugging on and growing your portfolio in spite of challenging times and, and shifting markets and shifting strategies. I think that's great. So keep up the good work.
1: Thank you so much, Dave.
0: All right, everybody, take care. Talk to you on the next episode.